Des Moines. Now, today's biggest stories from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk. This is an X's and O's update on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And I'm Trent Condon. The high school state baseball tournament concluded over the weekend. Champions in the four classes. Mason City Newman 11-1 win over Albert. It was Van Meter shutting out North Lynn 6-0 Class 2A. In Class 3A, Cedar Rapids Xavier runs past Central DeWitt 8-1. And the final call from the Class 4A final. Three and two from Cal Watson. Cold strike three. Urbandale, back-to-back state champions. The Jayhawks are your winners. Urbandale, an 8-2 victory over Johnston. Back-to-back state titles for the Jayhawks. Dowling Catholic five-star point guard Caitlin Clark has announced her three finalists in her college recruitment. According to a report from the Des Moines Register, Clark is down to Iowa, Iowa State, and Notre Dame for her services. To Major League Baseball, the Cubs and Brewers completing their three-game series, and the Cubs complete the sweep. Kyle Schwarber to right. Gone! Schwarber with his 25th home run of the year on the call from WGN Sports. In Minnesota, the Twins complete a sweep of their own as they shut out the Royals 3-0. Devin Smeltzer gets his first career win behind six shutout innings, and Jason Castro goes deep. Cave, this one hit high and deep to center. Starling going back. He's at the wall. That ball is gone. A home run. 11th homer of the year for the Twins catcher as Minnesota moves to 69-42 and on the year. White Sox with a win in Philadelphia as they get going early with a grand slam. That ball's hit in the air. Deep left center field. Way back there. And a grand slam, Larry Garcia. 10-5 the final on the call from NBC Sports Chicago. Coming up tonight in MLB, the Royals are in Boston to face the Red Sox. White Sox on the road for the Tigers. The Cubs host the A's. Kyle Hendricks will get the start for Chicago 7-0-5 with the first pitch. The Twins host the Braves. And the Cardinals are on the road for the Dodgers. You can hear that game here on KXNO. Stay up to date at KXNO.com and all day on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios, you'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back into the 11 o'clock hour. It's 11.05 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Miller and Condon with you until noon. Dave Sinekin in about 10 minutes or thereabouts. HeadCheese.com has covered the Packers for a year. He hosts a Green Bay Packers radio program for, I think, into his 24th year now on the Vikings affiliate. How about that? K-Fan in Minneapolis. Indeed. KFAN, our sister station up there. Uh, Sinekin's been talking Packers every Sunday morning for 24 years. Absolutely. It's It's, great. it, It is really good. And that rivalry, it is intense. It's... It is different there. You know, with the, we talk about the NFC North and the Bears are a factor here. It does feel different, though, between those two. It is proximity. That's a big sure. part of it. You got, obviously, I mean, the Wisconsin border is just right past St. Right. Paul. So exactly. you get there and you have that proximity there. A good rivalry, though. And one that's the, always fun. It, it is. And the uh, opposing fans in each other's buildings, mm-hmm. which is uh, 
which is pretty fun as well. Speaking of uh, cool things, uh, the Iowa Wild just announced this. Um, that bef- prior to their t- uh, game on December the 21st, high school teams, you know, the, oh, nice. the Oak Leaves and the Capitals, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to uh, be on the ice prior to the Iowa Wild game on December the 21st. That's great. They're calling it Iowa Hockey Classic, the Iowa Hockey Classic. They're the two. They're not, at least I don't think, right? They're not necessarily uh, associated with schools. Correct. I yes. mean, if you live in Ankeny, you can play for the Oak Leaves or the Caps is where I'm going. Yes. But they're high school, they're high school players, uh, and they will get a chance to play on the big ice, uh, in front, well, in the big building. The ice is always the same, <laughs> unless you're in Europe, but you get my point. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it'll be a thrill for these kids to play at Wells Fargo if they haven't had an opportunity to do so yet. Uh, it'll be a big thrill for them. It will be. You know, speaking of thrills, got to see that this week with the state baseball yeah. tournament and the kids getting to play there. And who had the shot? I think it was W. WHO had, um, how do you say the kid's name? Friend? Mark Fr- Freud. Freud. Mark Freud. Yep. I think he had the shot. If it wasn't him, I apologize and should give credit to eight or five, whoever had it. But the coach comes jumping out of the, out of the dugout and yeah. he runs over to, about essentially to home plate and he's jumping up and down. And the camera was right there behind the, uh, uh, behind the screen. And that's some great footage. It was a great tournament out of Urbandale, too. And they, really well attended, Trent. That's what yes. one of my takeaways was. Yeah, we got the attendance numbers. It was, what, 8,000, I think, uh, yeah, for the championship? 29,000 over the, uh, over the, the length tur- of the tournament, which is great. I mean, when you get two local teams, that helps. And two local teams like Urbandale and Johnston that are big into baseball. And it's funny. I mean, you look back at these two programs and what they are. The Urbandale team, the last two years, littered with kids mm-hmm. that were playing in the Little League World Series six, something? seven years ago. Same thing, this Johnston team. They got another group coming up, but what they have been able to build. You know, I, I mentioned this during our broadcast on, on Saturday night, and Rush was with me, Rush Niggett. And uh, it almost feels like this could be something where, remember Woody and Bo in the 10 Years War? With Johnston and Urbandale creating their own 10 Year oh, War. Oh, sure. Just, I do remember that. These yeah, two yeah. teams are so good. Yeah. The, the, the programs are so good. It starts so young with these groups, and all those kids, they grow up. Grow up dreaming to be a dragon or or be a Jayhawk and playing on those fields. The job that Urbandale has done with their new coach Jeremy Heinen, he's playing. He's coaching on a field that was named after Denny Barton, great guy, one of the best and, and best high school coaches. And all he's done is go out there and won two state championships since then. It just it's been a lot of fun watching these programs build and the baseball we see around here. Yes, we talk football, we talk basketball, talk wrestling. All those things are important. I don't think a lot of people realize, though, the amount of D1 talent that's in the state of Iowa for baseball. It's more than basketball. It's more than football. Guys that play D1 from our state on the baseball field, they get those opportunities. I wish they had more opportunities in our state, but they'll yeah. save that for another day. It, Louisville, Old Miss, yeah. of course all the guys go into Iowa. Right. It's not just, ah, they're going... You know, to play at some low-level D1 program, that's not what it is. These are high-level kids. You know, we got I've, a lot of good baseball. I've always felt sorry for them, Trent. And I know there's, I mean, the players themselves, right? I mean, they win a state championship. Mm-hmm. You would love to think that they got to go back to their school on Monday. Yeah. You know, and celebrate with the student body. They're the big men on campus for the day, right? They're through the hallways or in class. They're getting pats on the back and way to go. And I was there. You know, a lot of these kids, they're... Most of them, right? Certainly the seniors, that's the last thing that they will do for their high school. But there's no other way to do it. There, no. There's no other method. You can't move that up on the calendar. We're not going to be able to change the weather here, so mm-hmm. we can 
But I do feel bad for them. I mean, if you win a state chairman a championship in football, you're back on Monday and the whole school's going right nuts, <laughs> right. right? Likewise in basketball. Baseball school's out. School's done, and yeah, your class right. has graduated. Everybody is finished. And that's the other thing. These seniors and ones that aren't going on to play collegiately, this is it for them. But they're giving up the senior year summer you know, before right. they depart, before they start their job, whatever it may be, to give that up where there's a lot of fun things going on. Sure. I, I think we both know us Last as Last summer before you start college. Yes, and to give that up to go out there and play baseball. That's yeah, a sport they love, though. It, it is. It is, and it's a great sport. It was Awesome to see those kids. And I'm glad you cover it the way you do, yeah. really, because it kind of did get the uh, the short shrift. Yes, but it shouldn't. No, it shouldn't. I agree it with shouldn't. you. There's, there's, uh, as you mentioned, and you certainly know better than I. There, there's talent on these fields. And yes, way to go, Urbandale, back to back for them. And um, so, who will have a better year in football of those two schools? Johnston would be the favorite in that one. I think Johnston's going to be pretty good this year in football. But, can they run down Dowling? I mean, well, that's what everybody asks. Can anybody? It's nearly impossible mm-hmm. to do. Dowling's been nipped a couple of times during the regular right. season, but, but when they it always counts, turn it on in October, November. Uh, Valley Dowling is what week this year? That's Three? Week two. Week two. Week two. Week one. Ankeny, Ankeny. Centennial will be the big one. There's all kinds of big matchups early on, as you know. I know. You know what? I the first four weeks are the best four weeks. A lot of times. It yes. Is. It's been better. They they changed the schedule at least a little bit in the districts that we do get some more compelling matchups later in the year, but that's the part. I mean, every week, the first four weeks or four or five really good games, when you get into week six, seven, eight, nine, you're looking for there's one. one or two. Right. At least there's one or two, which is a good thing, but just not the sheer numbers we get earlier in the season at the 4A level. Uh, let's take a time out. We'll come back. We will uh, take a look at the final of our four teams as they're all in training camp right now, but we have been, uh, well, we've neglected the Packers up until this point. We will uh, change that with Dave Sinekin. He comes back, joins us next. Again, 21st of December, Oak Leaves in the Des Moines Capitals. Great they idea. Will, it is a great idea. Iowa Hockey Classic uh, down at Wells Fargo. They will precede the uh, Iowa Wild game. I'm not sure who they play that night, the Wild, but uh, they will be on the ice immediately following the JV and the varsity games for the Oak Leaves and the Caps. Miller and Condon till noon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Scott Dockerman from The Athletic coming up in about 20 minutes or thereabouts. It's official in Las Vegas. The Las Vegas Raiders will play their games at Allegiant Stadium, named after the discount airline. Oh. <laughs> Allegiant. So if you if you fly Allegiant, yes. you want the air above your seat to come on, uh-huh. there's probably uh-huh. going to be a surcharge for that. Well, as you know, I am very tight with my money. I have flown Allegiant to Vegas many a times in the past. Do Southwest, dude. And now, well, hopefully those rates don't go up too much having to pay for stadium naming if rights. If you want air, if you want to use the bathroom, you can uh, you just, uh, it's it's coming. So is Dave Sinekin. He's the headcheese.com. The Packers, as we talked about earlier, Vinny Iyer, uh, the columnist for the Sporting News, has the Packers 12-4 and four and winning the NFC North. I'm assuming that's music to Dave Sinekin's ears. Uh, long time no talk, Dave. That's on us, not you. Good to catch up with you again. How are you, Dave Sinekin? I'm uh, doing great, guys. It's great to be back. And, man, 12 wins. 
Uh, if I set that up here on KFAN, the Vikings home, <laughs> right. uh, the amount of rocks thrown at me would be too large to count. No, you're right. And we talked about this earlier when we previewed. This is year 24 Packer preview, correct? 24 year? That's correct. Yeah, wow. 96 was my first season. Yep. Unbelievable. Uh, as you'll be on the air, and you are every Sunday prior to, uh, well, prior to the uh, Packers uh, as they get set to take on whomever the case may be. Well, Dave, we know it's going to be the Bears in week one, but prior to that, I want to go back to the off season, and I don't know if it was just because it was the off season, but the Lafleur, uh, new head coach Matt Lafleur and Aaron Rodgers um, apparently didn't get off on the right foot. Was that overblown? What was What was behind that, Dave? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was just a continuation of the story with uh, the way the Rodgers and McCarthy partnership ended. And I think uh, it's clickbait. You know, Aaron Rodgers and and uh, leadership and his coaches, that's clickbait in the summertime. Everything I've heard from uh, mini camps through the beginning of training camp is there seems to be respect. Well, certainly the coach has respect for his quarterback. It's the other way that we're all wondering. But there mm. seems to be a lot of respect uh, for Matt LaFleur by Aaron Rodgers because he's pined – to play in an offense like this, he's talked about it for a couple of years, whether it was the Falcons when Shanahan was there to uh, the 49ers and the Rams. And uh, he's, he's really enjoyed what this, this kind of offense can do. And he's really been envious and now he's a part of it. And I think his batteries have been recharged a bit. You know, he's always played with a chip on his shoulder going back to draft day. And I think he's been doubted by a lot of people that said his best football is behind him. He's going to go off as a, a quarterback who's only been to one Super Bowl despite all the talents, and I think he's ready to uh, to show that maybe his demise has been uh, overblown a bit. Now, it's not going to come instantly, obviously. It's a whole new offense and a whole new set of moving parts, but I think he's been energized by this, and I don't think we'll be hearing about that story as the season goes on. Another storyline, certainly, with Aaron Rodgers deals with the injuries and, and something that has continued throughout his career. Had some concussions earlier in his career, then had one uh, back in 2018, right at the end of the season. Concussions are just injuries as a whole. Anything, look, it's football. There's going to be injuries, but anything that they're working to do, trying to do to try to keep him upright for as long as possible? Yeah, it's funny because with uh, 15 years of Brett Favre, that was never a story. Right, yeah, good yes. point. Start. So maybe we're getting uh, you know a bit of comeuppance for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he, he got hurt week one uh, against the Bears. We all know he was carted off, and he came back and played. And it took him a few weeks. And then the Lions game, he re-injured it on a hit on the sidelines. And I think that caused him to deal with that knee the entire season. And he wasn't really the same Aaron Rodgers for that reason, among others. Um, so it's, it's always going to be a concern when your quarterback's 35 or 36 and, and he's as valuable as Aaron Rodgers is to this team. So I think they're going to be really careful. It's weird because they kind of have to balance not wanting to get them hurt in the preseason and meaningless games, but also knowing it's a new offense and, and some new moving parts. They've got a, a fullback that's going to be a part of this thing, possibly two new guards starting, and a, and a batch of, of young receivers that flash potential, but they need some more time with Rodgers. So I'm going to be really interested to see if we see a bit more of Rodgers in the preseason games than we've seen in the past. We already know, you know, today uh, the Packers and Texans are practicing at Lambeau. They never did that under Mike McCarthy, brought another team in to practice during the week. And Rodgers was out there in seven-on-sevens with J.J. Watt across the line and, and some guys he's not familiar with, the running back and on the offensive line. But he's out there because this offense needs to learn this stuff. So 
it's going to be a really interesting four weeks here to see how much playing time number 12 gets. You know, being very careful, obviously, not to get him hurt. Uh, one more um, on this, so leading up to the season, and it certainly reverberated here, Dave, and I'm assuming it did with a lot of Packer fans as well, and that's former Hawkeye Mike Daniels, who's had a terrific career. Uh, and, and I know that injuries were a part of last year, and you combine that with the salary, and it's a cap league, and we, we get all that. Uh, Daniels very quickly was with uh, had an opportunity to sign with Cleveland. It looks like he wanted to get back in the division and take on his former team uh, twice a year. Were you surprised that Mike Daniels uh, was shown the door in Green Bay? I was. Uh, I thought this might be his last year. He was entering the last year of his deal. And, you know, teams do like to get a lot out of a player when they know he's hunting for a new deal and he's motivated. Um, but big picture, you know, as great a leader and defensive player as he's been, and he's probably been the Packers' best defensive player over the last four or five years, uh, much was made when they bought Mike Pettit in that, that Daniels doesn't fit the kind of defensive lineman Pettin likes in his system. He's only six feet. Uh, Pettin prefers guys six three and taller with longer arms. Daniels is more squat, has that wrestling background, great balance, great leverage, and will excel in a 4-3 defense like they run in Detroit. Um, so, yeah, I thought they might get one more year out of him, let him be a leader to the young guys on that defensive line. Kenny Clark's the emerging leader, but uh, Dean Lowry, Montrevious Adams, Kingsley Kakei, the rookie. Uh, I thought they'd want to use that leadership that Daniels brings to the team, but ultimately you save $8 million. You can put that towards pending free agents, most notably Kenny Clark, who's uh, in line for a massive deal. So it's the way the NFL works. You always say you want to get rid of a guy a year earlier than a a year later, but uh, nothing but mad respect for Mike Daniels and what he has done for this Packer defense over the years. And, Obviously, I'll wish him well. 14 weeks out of 16. (laughs) Well, we've seen Brian Gutekus, the uh, second year now GM, make more moves than we're accustomed to in free agency from Green Bay and and what they were under Ted Thompson. Is it, I don't want to say a make or break year, but is the pressure on Gutekus this year to to deliver at least a team that bounces back in a big way? That's a good question. I don't know. It's a rookie head coach, so you don't know what that's going to bring with it. I, you know, I will say this was the year he had money to spend. The Packers will not have money the next couple of years in free agency. This was the year they had money to go ahead and address the defense and bring in players that better fit what Mike Pettin needs. You know, when you bring in a new coordinator, he he adopts whatever you've got on defense, and he clearly knew that they needed to change things. They have five new starters. You know, three pass rushers that will totally change what Green Bay's pass rush looks like in Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, and number one pick Rashawn Gary, who just seems to be turning heads every time he takes the field. And then adding Adrian Amos at the back end, along with the other first-round pick, Darnell Savage, should really, I think, change in big way the way the safety position went for Green Bay. It was awful last season. So he had the money to spend. He spent it this year on these guys and threw a lot of money their way, and Obviously, we'll see if they're effective, but boy, Pettin has a lot more tools in his toolbox for for year two, and I think Gutekunst knows that you know it, it takes a couple years with new systems. I don't think he'll be under a huge microscope this year because it's a new head coach and everything, but you know, next season, 2020, I think is the year everyone's pointing toward. Everything should be in play. Your first-year coach has a year under his belt. Everybody feels more comfortable, so I'll give him a couple years, but I will, guys, be really surprised if Green Bay's defense does not take a major step forward in the second year under Pettin, 
with the new guys they brought in in this offseason. Interesting. Dave Sinek in the headcheese.com is where you can read Dave uh, throughout the year. You know, one of those young receivers, Dave, and I have no idea if you've seen him. He's way down on the depth chart. He's an Iowa State kid, a guy by the name, yeah. a kid by the name of Alan Lazard, who he certainly looks the part physically. He's uh, He looks like he's built for the for the NFL. Have you heard anything about uh, Lazard and what they think of him and just his chances of making the roster? Yeah, I've read some glowing uh, reports of some of the action he's gotten. I think he's going to get a lot of opportunities here in the preseason because there's just a lot of question marks after Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison. I think Marquez Valdez-Scantling, the second-year speedster, is likely to get the other starting spot. And Jake Kumaro, a former undrafted kid who's a fan favorite who got hurt preseason last year, right now is the number four guy in the depth chart, that receiver. There's just a big logjam. Lazard's in there with... Equinemia, St. Brown, and Jamon Moore, two guys who were drafted last year. Trevor Davis, who lost most of his last season to injury, but is really the best return guy and has had a good start to camp as well. So it's kind of a, a numbers thing. He may need a guy or two to go down with injuries to get more opportunities. But you know, I think at the very least, he's a candidate for the practice squad. And, and I thought when they signed him that they might take a look at him at tight end because of his size and the way he's built. I thought the um, same since college, Dave, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I just with Lafleur's system, though he really wants tight ends that that can block, so that might be a big learning curve for him. Something he's not had to do. Uh, they like two way tight ends that can more disguise what they're going to do when they're out there. But I, I think Lazard has a chance, uh, and he's going to get a chance in his preseason games uh, to show what he can do. The, the the downside for him is I don't know what kind of quarterbacks are throwing him the ball. The Packers, after Rodgers, have mm-hmm. a lot of question marks between Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle and Manny Wilkins. So. I hope the guys can get the receivers the ball. There's a lot of competition in camp. Lazard's in the mix, but um, he might be a candidate for the practice squad for one more season. Last thing for me, Dave, and uh, to the defensive backfield, Joshua Jackson, another local guy here from the University of Iowa, back up a year ago, didn't see a ton of playing time. Your thoughts on him and what you've seen early on. And Kevin King, dealing with some hamstring injuries. That's what he lost uh, last year when he was injured for the season. And finally, Adrian Amos coming in from the Bears. Yeah, boy, I mean, you get a corner from Iowa, you expect good things. Right. It's a great track record yeah. there. Jackson had a disappointing rookie season. His big problem was he's just too handsy. He got flagged a lot, and um, that's not going to sit well with the coordinator. He's dealing with a foot injury right now. He's missed a bunch of practice. He's not practicing today. He's unlikely to play Thursday night. So he needs to get on the field. Green Bay drafted a, a kid out of Toledo, Kador Hallman, who's Really turned heads early in camp. and going to get a lot of reps with King out, Jackson out. Tony Brown, former Bama guy, uh, looked good toward the end of last year and has picked up where he left off, it sounds like, so far in the preseason. So Jackson needs to get on the field. There's a real opportunity after Jair Alexander, Tremont Williams, for, for him to get in there and show what he can do. But he has not been able uh, to stay on the field so far at all. Uh, Adrian Amos should really solidify the back end. Uh, very productive guy in Chicago. I'll always like to lessen the leader in your division and, and strengthen your defense, mm-hmm. and, and he'll step right into a starting role along with the rookie uh, Darnell Savage. So uh, there are some interesting things there. Kevin King, so frustrating because when he's on the field, he looks like a number one corner. But as you said, the hamstring right now, shoulder injuries have derailed him. He's played half of 32 games in two seasons, and uh, he needs to be on the field. Green Bay has spent a lot of draft capital at cornerback the last few years, and right now. Uh, last year's number one pick, Jair Alexander, appears to, the only, appears to be the only guy right now they can count on to be on the field every down, and that's 
as you guys know, that's priority number one is be able to stay on the football field. Last thing, Dave, uh, Vinny Iyer picked them 12-4. and four. I'm not going to ask your season record yet. We'll get that later on as camp goes on. But are the Bears, in your mind, the team that everybody should be, will be chasing in the division? Well, I think after last year you have to say that, but I, I really think it's a three-team race. I, I think the whole division is going to be separated by maybe three games between seven and ten wins. I think um, every team can, can say we've improved. Uh, Chicago's lost a couple key guys, but you've got a quarterback a year older, a head coach a year further along. They did lose Vic Fangio. you got to give the Bears the respect for winning the division last year, but schedule's tougher. The uh, turnovers that went their way are unlikely to happen again, and I don't think they can stay as healthy as they were fortunate enough to stay last year. So I think it's a three-team race, and I I don't think any team is going to run out and hide in the NFC North this year. Dave, great to talk to you again. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come, a whole bunch. Thank you, Dave Sinekin. Appreciate it. Look forward to it. Take care, guys. Thank you, Dave Sinekin. You can hear him on KFAN. He's on Saturday mornings up there, KFAN, uh, Sunday's Packer Preview. And you can read him at theheadcheese.com. Scott Darkerman from The Athletic, that's where you can read him. He'll join us next. It's 28 minutes before the hour of noon. Miller and Condon take you up until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, coming up on 1140 here on the radio program. It's a Monday. That means The Athletic has done something, seemingly each and every Monday. This Monday, they've added The Athletic UK. If you're a fan of the Premier League, your athletic subscription now entitles you to the newly launched section of The Athletic, The Athletic UK. Scott Darkman writes for The Athletic. And he joins us. Hello, Doc. Trent and Ken, how are you? You know, it's it's a great Monday. Uh, first one in August, uh, finally yep. football season. And, and for a lot of our readers, it's football season in the U.K., so I guess it can't be too bad. Indeed. You know, I want to get to – we'll get to your week uh, last week, the miles that you put on Madison to Ames, et cetera. I want to go to a story that I had no idea about, Doc, that, uh, that came out today, that apparently 20 years ago – you were a real mover and shaker behind the Chiefs moving their training camp to Missouri Western uh, State um, when you were with another job, obviously. So, so tell us your role in this, and and apparently, I mean, you're given credit for being one of the people that really pushed for this. Yeah, when I was uh, the sports editor of the St. Joseph News Press, which I was from 2000 through 2006, uh, I was I used to cover the Chiefs, so I'd go to river falls wisconsin every year and cover training camp and well i think it was 2002 maybe uh you know i started thinking about it and i went to school at western illinois which had the rams camp for a number of years and i thought you know it doesn't make a lot of sense for the state of missouri for you know tax dollars and fans to have the the cheap trek all that stuff up to do river falls wisconsin just you know about 45 minutes east of uh, st paul minnesota so i wrote a column saying that, you know, St. Joseph should land the, the Chiefs training camp, that it's only about an hour north of Kansas City. Uh, the campus could really use it. It's right on the interstate, I-29. And, uh, you know, I, so I wrote a column kind of pushing for it. And uh, our editorial page editor at the time, Mark Sheehan, also wrote something about it. And next thing you know, the community really got behind it. Missouri Western obviously was behind it because it had boosted the the profile of the of that which was a state college at that point 
uh, St. Joseph did, which was a town of about 75,000 with, with a rich history. And, uh, and so we got the ball rolling and, and then it took off, uh, and finally happened, uh, I think it was in 2009. 2009, so, yeah. Yeah, so this, I, I feel pretty, uh, you know, it, it feels good that it happened because I'm happy for the people there and, you know, and, and to try to, you know, push something forward that I think is a positive for all parties aside. Uh, all parties a part of it. No doubt. It was 10 years, not 20, but uh, my math's a little off. So go ahead, Trent. Well, speaking of that, back in the day, take us back. I remember going one year to Platteville, went up to Mankato a couple of times, the old cheese league when you had were for a lot of those years five teams up there: the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings over in Mankato, Minnesota, the Chiefs in River Falls, and the Saints were in Lacrosse. I know for a number of years too. Describe that seed and, and how many people say from New Orleans? How many Saints fans would you see make their way up there? <laughs> Not that many from New Orleans, but uh, there were a sizable amount of Chiefs fans. At least a couple of hundred, probably. For every practice, certainly I've been in Platteville, and and there were you know a ton of Bears yes. fans, which the trip isn't that far. But you know probably the the biggest memories I have over the those years was uh, the scrimmages between the Vikings and the Chiefs. Both every other year, one would go into River Falls, the next year they go to Mankato, and it was like a three hour drive, and and they you know do that. Well, one year there was just gigantic fights, uh, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. And they had two two full days, four practices against one another. And Brock Lesnar was the uh, was a, a <laughs> really? free agent signing by the Vikings, yep. and he tackled a, a Chiefs quarterback in a, in a Friday morning practice and hurt his ankle. He was out for a couple weeks. Damon Heward. and uh, the Chiefs kind of stewed about that all day. And then that night they had like family fun night in Mankato, and it was nothing but cheap shots, both sides. I mean, it was. Every play, you know, a receiver would be running down the field and blindsided. It was it was crazy. I was that was the only time I've ever been on the field and actually been nervous because you have all these players and they're ninety on each side just going at it. And uh, but uh, you know, so they took a year off after that. It was it was something else. I want to go back to Thursday with you, Doc, uh, and that uh, you were over in Madison it was media day uh, for the Badgers. You know, have we been maybe too quick to anoint the true freshman Graham Mertz as the heir apparent um, at the quarterback position for Wisconsin this year? Cone came in, played some. You know, he got some significant playing time last year. Uh, might Cohen be the guy and not Mertz? Yeah, I think he will be probably early on. And, you know, he's the one guy that, that has played, uh, that's had some experience. And, and, and Wisconsin's, uh, you know, a little conservative in that department. I think they're going to let, let him, you know, take care of the team for a little while. But I also kind of think at some point it's going to be Graham Mertz. So, you know, it might be like the first month, month and a half or so. But, you know, they've got such a, a treacherous schedule, uh, playing Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State that I think, uh, you know, to have somebody who's a little more veteran is probably the best route for the Badgers right now, just to kind of solidify the, the team. Now, at some point, they're going to be looking at this saying, you know, we got to get more the quarterback position. I'm not sure Jack Cohen's the, the guy. You know, I, it, it could be – I, I kind of think he's similar to Jake Rudock, you know, a, a, a caretaker, mm-hmm. a, a good quarterback. If he had more of a veteran defense, a veteran offensive line, he might be in better shape, but – at some point, I think the Badgers are going to go. You know what? We need to get more out of this position, and I think that's where Graham Mertz will step in. And it, I think, it'll, I think by the time Iowa plays Wisconsin in November, I think that it'll be Graham Mertz as quarterback. They've been so good with that three-four defensive scheme and the ability guys off the edges bringing blitzers from 
all over the place, coupled with how good they've been against the run. A lot of new faces there, though, of that front in the front seven. I think the defensive backfield has a chance to be good. What were you able to unearth with the front seven and what they're going to look to do with that 3-4? They've got a little bit more. They're a little bit more veteran up front. I think they'll be better there. They weren't very good last year on the in on the uh, the three side of the three four. And a lot of times there's only a two side. You know, you bring back Isaiah Loudermilk, Bryson Williams was a true freshman, starting a lot at nose guard, and and that's a tough position. You know, with uh, Olive uh, Sagapolo out, and then you also had Garrett Rand, who was lost for the whole season with an Achilles. So I think they're going to be pretty good there. Now, they lost the heart and soul of their defense and their linebackers, and they've been able to replenish that group like I've never seen before over and over again. But this time around, they might be in a little tougher spot. I mean, you lose Andrew Van Ginkle, you lose T.J. Edwards, who is outstanding, Ryan Connolly, uh, a year after losing you know, Vince Beagle and, and, and Jack Stitchy. And, I mean, it's just you know over and over again. Now, I think Chris Orr will be good. I think they, they've got a good young unit there. I just don't know that they're going to be you know, fantastic the way they have been. So uh, I'm really intrigued to see how they mold together because I'm not sure that they're going to be an elite unit the way they have been for so many years. Well, you went from Thursday in Madison to Friday names, a a takeaway or two from Iowa State Media Day that you covered for The Athletic. Such a confident team. I you got to like everything that they've done, um, you know, from just the – the efficacy of the entire program from, you know, Brock Purdy, you know, just handle himself so well to, uh, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by the running backs. That's what I wrote about was, you know, the guys that are going to try to replace uh, David Montgomery. And, you know, you've got three holdovers that are different types of runners. And then you include the doobies in Brees Hall and, uh, and Jarrell Brock or Jarrell Brock. And, I think it's that to me is going to be fascinating. But when you're talking about a unit or a team that's focusing on, okay, how do you replace a skill position player at running back? I think you're in a good shape, you know, if you're Iowa State, because for so many years, I mean, you know, I, I talked to Matt Campbell on the side a lot about, uh, you know, David Montgomery. And he's like, you know, a few years ago, it was just, you know, we were terrible up front and David Montgomery had the ball and just let him go do his thing. Now, now we can kind of, be more patient in, in the players that we pick back there. So I think they're in. Uh, it's it's really in a, in a nice spot, and uh, I, I think this team has a chance to be the best Cyclone team ever. I really do. I think they are talented on both sides of the ball. They've got great players. Uh, they've got you know challenging schedule, of course, as they always do in the Big Twelve, and then play in Iowa as their crossover. But um, I really like this team. I think it's uh, it, it's got a chance to to play some special games this year. And September 14th with Iowa and Iowa State mixing it up is going to be an incredible environment up there in Ames. So let's go to the Hawkeyes, the team you cover on a day-to-day process. And the article you wrote yesterday at The Athletic, the short yardage numbers, if you can explain that a little bit more to the listeners. Iowa, hard-nosed, physical football team. You figure a team like this, with their offensive line prowess, they'd be good in third and one, third and two, those situations. That's not been the case. They've been awful. I mean, it's it's really of the categories I, I looked through. I mean, I had to go through every single one of them multiple times on this one just to make sure I was right. But, you know, in short yardage situations, third and between one and three yards, I mean, over a five-year period, they've ran for 326 yards, you know, 1.8 yards per carry. 
And, uh, you know, the next worst team averages 3.5. That's Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, in the same situation, Ohio State piled up, you know, almost 1,300 yards. Minnesota was even more than 900 yards. So you're, you're going, why? And they, why, why are they doing this? You know, and, and it, it's just, they had no explosive runs. They've had four total in that situation. Whereas, you know, again, Ohio State has 35. Uh, they don't. They barely get half of those carries end up in first downs, and and really what you look at is kind of, is, is this is one area where predictability is is really hurt Iowa, and I think a lot of people look at predictability as some sort of oh we know what the play's coming. Well, this case they do, and that is that there's a fullback on the field. They're going to run the ball. They're probably going to run it up the middle, and it, everybody's bunched together, and they don't only get about a yard. It's like. Iowa looks at that situation going, it's third and one, let's get one yard. Whereas everybody else says it's third and one, let's, let's run a normal play. And I think Iowa really needs to take a step back and say, you know, this isn't working. It's not working at all. And, and because when they actually use more of their complete offense, they're much more effective on that down. Or if they throw with a fullback on the field, they're much more effective. It's just when they get in that run set, that's what everybody's expecting. And, Okay, they get the first down every other time, but it's you know it's, it's one yard. <laughs> Third and two, and they get one and a half. I mean, that's hmm. just generally what they do, and they need to do better at that. Doc, what do you think? Uh, camp's underway, but what what do you think? Um, you know, the biggest question pursuant to this team this year on on either side of the football. What do you think after practice? The coaches sit around and well, did we address this? Did anybody move forward to this position today? We've talked about this. What is this? What what is that question? Do you think? You know, I think really for this team, they don't have major holes. They don't have anything, you you know, next year they will, but not this year. And But I think it's really about how can they get the running game to work better. And I think a lot of that is the interior offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler Linderbaum will be fantastic in that role. I, I think he's, he's going to be like James Daniels was, except you're going to have him for at least three years, if not longer. So I think that's uh, that's a Big, big, big plus, but but just how can they be more effective with that interior offensive line blocking, getting reach reach blocks, uh, just sticking to their defenders a little bit longer, and then you know hand in hand with that is the running backs. Can they uh, you know trans transfer their maybe you know from patience to feel and be able to get through the holes a little bit quicker because they were there at times last year. Uh, the, the perimeter blockers were, were great um, in the run game, you know, both Jackson and Worf. But if they could just uh, be a little bit more fluid in the in the zone scheme, I think they're going to be uh, that that game that part of the game will take off. And if that happens, coupled with I think some strengths at the wide receiver position and and I think tight end, it may be a question mark, but I don't think it's it's a just a huge hole. You know, that I think this offense has a chance to be pretty good. I mean, they averaged more than 30 points a game last year. Scott Dockerman joining us from The Athletic. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Doc, last thing from me, right at the end of your article, you were going through talking about Stanley, the numbers he na- needs to break Chuck Long's touchdown record. And then you finish up talking about A.J. Epinesa. The single season record for sacks in the Big Ten is 22. The Iowa record, Leroy Smith of 18 in 1991. I know you like to play around with over-unders. You and Morehouse do that all the time on the podcast. If I put the number sacks by A.J. Epinesa this year 
at 14 and a half? Would you lean the over? Yeah, I would. Wow. I, I, bull, I, I would very too. bullish. Really? Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm bullish on this guy. I think he's, he, talent-wise, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure I've seen a more talented football player at Iowa than, than A.J. Mm-hmm. Epineza, and they've had some fan, great guys, I mean, over the years. First-round draft picks, Brandon Sheriff was, was great, but there's just something unique and special about A.J. Epineza. I mean, it, from his build to his power, ability to convert power to speed, the way he strips back. I mean, he did it in a reserve role. I mean, he had 200 fewer snaps than Parker Hesse last year, and he led the Big Ten at stacks with 10 and a half. He's going to face double teams. He's going to mm-hmm. face tight ends. He's going to face chips. But he's better than everybody else on the field. And he's a year older, and he's a little bit more. He's a little bigger. He's you know seven, eight pounds stronger. So I, I think he's going to get north of 15. I think he is going to be the most dominant player on the field most of the time. Him and Jeffrey Simmons were in in the Outback Bowl. So. Um, you know, barring some sort of injury, I, I think he's going to be uh, unstoppable this year. He certainly was. It's just raw talent. You could just see what he's going to become, and if this is the year, it's got to be because this is his last year uh, in in Iowa City. I, I'm with you, Doc. I would take the over as well. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. He'll be at Media Day on Friday and Kids Day Open Practice on Saturday, and he'll join us on Monday to talk about it. Thank you, Scott Dockerman. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great night. Yeah, you're the same. Uh, Scott Dockerman from The Athletic. You're taking the under, Trent? 14 and a half. That's just a big number. Two guys went over that all of last year. Mm-hmm. I know you know one of them, Josh Allen of Kentucky. He's a beast. The other and guy. He got translated to what, fourth overall or fifth? Yeah. Whatever. Anyways, yeah. Jalen Ferguson from Blotech. Don't who had remember him. 17 and a half. 17 for Josh Allen. It's a huge number. People get rid of the football so quick anymore. Yeah, he's unblockable, Trent. He's really good. He's real. He's something. He is something. That's a big number, though. I just bullshit, right? I mean, just yes. Oh, he's so strong. He's going to be seeing double teams seemingly every snap. Is that fair? Certainly, the tight end. If Chip I, at the very least, if I was a bold hot take artist, uh-huh. I'd come out right now and say Chauncey Golson will have more. Sacks he should have a very good year. That's an excellent point. I think he'll have a great year. I don't think he'll have more than Epinesa. No, but no, no, no. Those guys will both be double digits. Golston flashed last year. He did he did, and he didn't get. We talk about snap numbers. Right. He was very limited mm-hmm. playmaker, and he's just got an affinity for the football. It seemed like every time there'd be a loose ball, he'd be coming out of the pile with yeah. it. It was always Chauncey Golson. They're going to be fun to watch. Need some help in the middle, though. Yeah, they do. Uh, that's where the question marks lie on that uh, mm-hmm. on that defense. No doubt about it. Uh, the interior, the offensive line. I'm with I'm with Doc. I think Linderbaum. Everything you hear about him, yes. Uh, and he's going to be there for four years. The guards, I guess, would be not the weakest link, but the question mark. I liked what some what I saw. Band last, last year. year? Yeah, yeah, not bad. He was not bouncing bad. around. He was there at center a little bit. They mm-hmm. kind of to do that early in your career. I thought was impressive, and now he can just concentrate on. Being a guard. I think that'll be a good thing for him. And Larry Jackson's got to be better because he's going up against A.J. Epinesa every day in practice. So that can. You got two draft picks uh, at the tackle position. Um, now nah, going to be a fun year. going to be a fun year in Ames. Yes. going to be a fun year in Iowa City. Can't wait. And we won't have to wait much longer. And neither will you for Murph and Andy because they're coming up today at 2. And then the Fanatics at 4. Morning Rush will start it all again tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock. I forgot to mention that on August the 17th, the KXNO pregame show with Emery and Roberts will be at Prairie Meadows. Everybody's there on Thursday with the exception of them, so they're there on Saturday. We're back here tomorrow with 10. We appreciate you being here with us. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.